Hey friends, welcome back to the Focus Richmond and Central Virginia devotional podcast. Uh, This is Zeke and I work for Focus in Charlottesville. Uh, Really excited to be bringing you a special guest today. You all know that uh, over the course of the podcast, we've had different volunteers, alums pop in and uh, we have a new face today, somebody who's making his first appearance on the Focus podcast uh, and that is none other than collegiate alum Excellence Perry. Uh, Excellence, thanks for coming on, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, Zeke, I'm so happy to be here, honestly. Um, yeah, like Zeke said, I am a collegiate alum. I graduated in the spring of 2017, which seems like it was such a long time ago, but really wasn't. Um, at UNC, <laughs> currently, I am studying advertising and public relations and also management and society, which is really just a fancy name for econ and sociology mixed together. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. And then after school, uh, Zeke, I, was just, I know I was just telling you a short while ago, but I'll be actually joining um, Summit College and Summit Church doing college ministry here at UNC for the next few years. So alma mater is going to turn into my home for the next few years too. And I couldn't be more excited. So thanks for having me, Zeke. I'm, I'm really hyped to talk today. Oh, amazing. And as a fellow Tar Heel, you know, my, my heart is just like bursting with pride. Fellow Summit alum, I love, uh, I love the path you've taken and, and I'm super, super excited for, with the things you're engaging in excellence. So those of you who are listening know we're in the middle of a series that we're doing in our small groups and here on the podcast called The Struggle is Real. Just the idea that um, struggles that we walk through in life aren't something to just shake off. They're real things that we walk through, and we know that God meets us in those struggles and brings us out of those struggles. Our topic this week, something that we've been talking about, is the struggle with injustice. And I think, uh, you know, it's something that a lot of us have been confronting over the course of this year, especially. Um, And so let's just start there, Excellence, before we even dive into a passage together. Like, why do you think this is this is kind of a struggle, particularly that is resonating with so many people this year? Yeah, Zeke, that's a really good question. And the first thing that came to my mind was visibility. I think now more than ever, people are not just aware of the existence of injustice, but they're actually seeing with their eyes what the injustice mm. is and how people are being affected. Um, because I mean, I think I know throughout human history, we know things about injustice. Um, but a lot of times the smaller infringements on injustice or occurrences would happen under the radar. So there wasn't social media to capture every single time someone was um, like unrightfully arrested or someone was unrightfully beaten. Um, but now I think now people are more sensitive to these things. And now that social media can reach such a wide audience and we can be there experiencing that injustice almost like firsthand because of these videos. I think people are more visible about it now than ever, and it's on their minds because they understand that it's they understand that it's happening um, at a rate that we have just never experienced or witnessed before, even if it actually was occurring. So I would say, first and foremost, Zeke, it's it's the visibility and the actual knowledge of what is happening and being able to see it on a daily basis. Yeah, and and I think we can't escape it in some ways, right? I mean. There are a lot of bad things about social media that we could rail about, but that is one of the good things in some ways is that we're mm-hmm. being confronted with the actual lived experience of, of people who are being, uh, you know, treated unjustly in some yeah. way, marginalized, oppressed. Um, and that goes, you know, both nationally in our country, internationally. Um, it is difficult to escape. And, and so I, I think the question for us as people who are following Jesus is how we acknowledge that there are these things going on in our world and still enter into them with hope, right? So, um, yeah, I've been talking to you about this a little bit, 
and uh, just asked you, you know, if you could think through like a, a particular passage that you wanted to to look at. Um, and so, which which passage did you choose for us to go through today? Yeah, so I was thinking about Isaiah sixty one was something that I searched up, and um, in thinking about it, I really just when I was reading it online, especially and thinking about justice, it really kind of struck my heart and how God so clearly talks against injustice and he talks about wanting to replace injustice with hope and kind of exactly what we were talking about. Isaiah 61 was really on my heart. Oh, that's awesome. And and perfect too, because the passage that we've been reading together in our small groups uh, in and around Richmond and central Virginia uh, is Luke four, where Jesus quotes from Isaiah Mm. 61. So this is definitely going to resonate. Uh, so yeah, will you, will you go ahead and read Isaiah 61 for us and then we'll chat about it? So this is Isaiah 61. The year of the Lord's favor is the name of the passage. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord, and you will be named ministers of our God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And in my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. And their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring Among the peoples, all who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I greatly delight in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Mm, that's good. Now, let me just ask, as you're reading through that, what is it that really jumps out to you, particularly that, that speaks to this, this kind of struggle, the struggle with injustice? Yeah, the, honestly, the first verse, um, Zeke, is, well, this is Isaiah speaking, and he says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the, the prisoners. And then he goes on in verse 2, you know, talking about to comfort all those who mourn and to provide for those who grieve and to, 
you know, to give people joy instead of mourning. And it really just sees that God's heart and what God wants his people to do is to actually go into the spaces where people are suffering. He wants us to go into the places where there is injustice and to proclaim justice. Like he wants us to to comfort the brokenhearted, to bring freedom to those who are enslaved. And this is, yes, something that God is asking Isaiah to do, but because he's asking Isaiah to do it, as we see later, it's coming from God's own heart of saying, this is how I want to love people. And as a result, this is how I want you to love them. And so I find it amazing that what jumps out at me here, Zeke, is that this is who God is. He wants to comfort those who mourn. He wants to bring injustice, but it also is who he asks us to be as people who follow him. And so he doesn't tolerate injustice. He wants to enter it and he wants to flip it on its head to bring justice. But he doesn't just do that himself. He asks us to do it too, which I think is wonderful part about God is he never asks us to do something that he doesn't already do or love himself. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think particularly as we're looking at this passage and, and these are some of the same verses that Jesus quotes when he's kind of inaugurating his ministry, you know, um, Because I think sometimes when we are particularly, when our hearts are kind of weighty with this struggle with Mm. injustice, um, it's easy to read verses like, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and injustice. And just think like, how do we possibly know that to be true? Yeah. You know? And and I think it's difficult for people to reconcile that sometimes with things that they see in the world. And yet, when we see God actually clothe himself in humanity and come down to earth, yeah. you know, this isn't, there's a reason that Jesus picks this passage to kind of talk about his ministry, right? Yeah. It's not just something that he's doing in theory. It's something that he's actually busying the work of his hands to to go and do. Right. Um, And I think that's significant. Right. Yeah. And I would completely agree with that also, because it just shows that God sees the injustice and he hates it, but that he didn't just sit in heaven and say, well, I hope they all figure it out. He said, no, I'm going to come down in the form of a man and I'm going to enter into this injustice and I am going to be the one to save them and to show them joy. And it just shows that God is a God who is active and he comes to serve. He comes to save and he comes to actually flip injustice on its head, which I think is just incredible. So yeah, I would, I love to just add on to what you said there. And yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. He, he decides to come with us and to help us with it. There's a lot in this passage that puts God's character on display, things that we can see are true about him. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what, what are kind of notes of, of hope as we are living in eras where we're more aware of injustice than ever, as you talked about? Yeah, and this is going to start off, Zeke, and it might not seem hopeful, but I promise the hope <laughs> is coming in about a minute or two. So if we look back at the passage, um, when when... When God's speaking through Isaiah, he's talking about really a lot of bad things. He's talking about mourning, you know, in the Mm. end of verse two. He's talking about grieving at the beginning of verse three. He's talking about ashes. He's talking about, you know, all despair, even like in verse three. And even in verse four, like talking about ruins, devastation, ruined cities for generations. And you read all of those things and you're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible, you know. And I think the first thing that I want to point out is God does not forget to acknowledge that there will be hardship and suffering and injustice in our world. Like Mm. he's very realistic. And he says, you know, there is mourning. There is despair. There are ashes. You know, there, there is, 
you know, devastation. We see that in our world today. Like um, when you can scroll through social media, you can see evidence of all these things. But the hope is not that these things will never happen because that's not realistic or true. But the hope is that God says, you know, in your morning, I will comfort you. He says, you know, in your morning, I will give you praise. He says, you know, I will rebuild the ancient ruins. And so in his acknowledgement that these things are hard and that they are wrong, he says, well, I am going to make them right and I will help you. And so I truly believe our hope is not that God says it'll never happen, but he says, I know that they will happen. I know how they will happen. And so I will be the one to make them right because only I truly can and only I fully can. Um, does that kind of mm. make sense? That might have seemed backwards at first, but I think God switches it up in this passage in a way that we don't normally think about. Well, no, I think it's good because it's so exemplified in the life of Jesus in so many ways, right? Um, there can't really be resurrection until there's death. You know, we we can't even like turn to God until we acknowledge sin and that applies both to our individual lives and Mm -hmm. it also kind of applies maybe more broadly to the world. Like we can't really create justice and be workers for justice until we are aware of injustice and until we see um, some of the things that you're talking about in this passage, you know, maybe uh, in our lives, it's been easier in years past to, to be ignorant of ways that people are captive, are oppressed, poor, but now, like you said, through the advent of social media, through just our growing awareness of these things in our world, we can't ignore them. And maybe that's actually what God wants for us, <laughs> to, right. to have our eyes open to those things, um, not just so that, so that we can act on them, but, but to have his heart for these things, you know, yeah. so that we can, we can be a little bit more like Jesus. Um, and, and I think it's also instructive, you know, like you said, that we can't expect that God... Um, would not allow bad things to happen when God did not keep bad things from happening to God. You know? Right. Wow. Um, wow. That's good. Yeah. When, when he sent Jesus to earth, it was for the express purpose of having him be uh, poor, brokenhearted, beaten, imprisoned, and ultimately right. killed. You know, um, he did not send his son uh, into the earth to be triumphant over all these things without having to go through them first. Right. So yeah, I think the point that you make uh, is a good one that Jesus experiences all these things and God doesn't stand at a distance with injustice. You know, Mm -hmm. he experienced injustice firsthand. And I think that ought to give us, you know, a lot of comfort in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And, And one thing I wanted to add to that too is God does hate injustice more than we do and loves the people who are being oppressed and wrongfully treated more than we do. And so oh, if, yeah. you th- if you think about this, it is actually irrational for us to try and care about injustice without asking God to make us care for it like he does. You know, mm-hmm. because, I mean, naturally, even me this week, um, to kind of tell a little bit about just me personally, um, in the wake of the Atlanta shootings, um, I was not as affected as I should have been. When I saw the news, I was like, oh, you know, that really sucks. But my heart wasn't broken over what had happened. And this week, God has really brought me to a place of saying, you should be checking on your friends. And so he even led me to reach out to, I think, all of my friends 
um, that do identify as racially or ethnically Asian to say, hey, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. But I couldn't even take credit for that because it was something that God said, you should be doing this and you're not. And so it just really shows that like, if we do want to be a people um, who care more about these things, we need to ask God to help us. And because he loves those people more and hates injustice more, we need him to give us his love for people and his hate for injustice so that we take a stand against these things that shouldn't be happening in our world, these evil and wicked things. And so I know it, it was something that I even felt convicted about. I'm like, I don't care about these things or about people as much as I should. And God had to help bring me to that place. And so we could be asking him for that too, because he wants us, like he did in Isaiah in the beginning of the passage, to go and comfort the brokenhearted and speak out against injustice. And we should be asking him for that because he wants us to join in him in that work. Yeah, maybe we feel kind of powerless to be able to do some of the bigger things in this passage, like, you know, free the captives <laughs> yeah. and the prisoners and that sort of thing. But I think all of us have opportunities to comfort those who are who are mourning, right? right. And I think I, I really appreciate your vulnerability in that and your honesty in that, because I think you're exactly right. If If we really want to be a part of this work, then, you know, a part of our hungering for justice just starts with seeing injustice and realizing that God weeps and mourns over it. And so, mm-hmm. so should we. And, and that's, that's kind of the only way that I think we, we really do pursue justice with uh, a sense of hope is knowing like, okay, I, I can do these pieces. Um, I can be there to, to comfort those who mourn. Maybe if I have opportunities to, I can, I can try to work for justice in my, uh, you know, in my town, in my city, in my neighborhood, whatever that may look like. But ultimately, it's going to be up to God to really restore, you know, right. um, wholeness to to the world in the way that he promises in this passage and, and knowing that's got to be enough. Yeah, I, I would. Um, and just kind of going back to the character of God, but I think we don't want to miss this is in verse eight, he says, for I, the Lord, love justice and I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And I think a lot of times in our culture, the word love and hate kind of is diluted a little bit. You know, you think people still around the word love. Like I love Oreos. It's like, would you, do you really <laughs> love Oreos? Like, you know, it's like, it's like, would you like propose to an Oreo? Would you sacrifice your life for an Oreo? No. Right. We throw around the word love so much. Or even the word hate. Someone say the same thing. I hate chocolate ice cream. It's like, okay, do you really have like a, a deep hate against chocolate? <laughs> like, no. Right. And so I think we throw those words around so much that we actually lose their potency and what they actually mean. So like for God here, right, to say that he loves justice, that means that like at the core of his being, you know, God has a heart. At the core of his being, he actually wants justice more than anything in this world, right? Like that is something Mm -hmm. that God really passionately, intensely at the bottom of his heart wants, right? But then when you think about the word the hate, that means like when it comes to wrongdoing and injustice, like he despises it. Like he wants to destroy it. He wants to remove it. Like that is an eyesore to him. Even more than an eyesore. Like what do you would an eye bruise? What, what, what like I don't know. Like what's what's worse than like something that's sore? You know, like it, like he hates it. And so I think what's helpful is saying, okay, he loves and like actually loves and loves justice and he hates wrongdoing, but not just seeing it in like our diluted definition of it, but in the actual like white hot love and white hot hate like he makes it really clear here and we shouldn't take that lightly so yeah i just wanted to point that out just really quickly again like the intensity of god's love for justice and the intensity of his hate and wrath against wrongdoing 
Yeah, and I, and and God does not use those words lightly in mm-hmm. in his in his book. You know, um, <laughs> God does not mention loving Oreos in the Bible, uh, and he's very careful about what he says he loves. You know, he loves right. his image bearers, his people. Um, right. He loves goodness. He loves justice. Um, but you're right, and and ultimately, you know, it's even helpful for us to remember those things that when we realize maybe we are complicit in injustice in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, ooh, I, I know that God hates those things, but ultimately the way that he reacted to injustice was by entering into injustice himself right. in Jesus so that we could be loved. You know, It kind of frees us to admit like, yeah, I have actually been a part of, of injustice in my life. Mm-hmm. I've, I've perpetrated injustice in some ways. I can own up to that knowing right. that God sees it. He restores me. He changes me through Jesus and his work on my behalf, you know, um, I've been imperfect when it comes to justice, but Jesus hasn't, he's been perfect. (laughs) And so trusting in that helps us actually like pursue justice, realizing I'm going to do this imperfectly. I'm going to get it wrong sometimes, but I know that I'm kind of walking in the same way that God wants me to walk because I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to line up my heart with where God's heart is. Um, and even when I get it wrong, Jesus covers me, you know? Yeah, that's really good. And I think when talking about justice, and especially in seeing God's large promises here, it can get kind of airy where it's like all these things don't seem really attainable or don't seem like they're feasible in our world. So I just wanted to take a quick minute to just practically just address um, our listeners and just talking about practical ways that we can love justice and hate wrongdoing and be advocates of justice as God calls us to. And so I think practically just one is just seeking to love people who look different than us, right? Who Mm -hmm. have different experiences. So whether that's, you know, trying to make a new friend, you know, like this is a practical way of, or even (laughs) next time you're, you know, right? Like, or next time you're talking to someone who has a different background experience, ask them what their experience has been like, ask them what their life has been like, you know? Um, I think another practical thing too is when, acts of injustice are committed against a specific people group something like i said earlier and just like texting your friend doesn't it be crazy just text them and say hey how are you doing i want to check on you and just see if i could support you in any way or i even just wanted to listen um i think sometimes we get so caught up and like we need to fight for justice and we need to try and tackle all these big issues now i'm like yes that is true but i think we can kind of overlook the small ways that we can do that and just loving our neighbor and loving people mm-hmm. and friends that we have within our hands and make the most of every opportunity like God calls us to also. So practical ways, just loving a friend and asking intentional questions. Those are ways that we can fight for injustice. And lastly, speaking out against injustice can just be saying, wow, like I don't agree with what happened. Like something as small as a sentence are just ways that we can practically do this. And yes, honor God and what he says here in his big promises, but also recognize that we can be faithful to fight for injustice in small ways every day. Awesome. That's so helpful. Thanks, Excellence. I appreciate that. Um, well, I hope you guys were as blessed by this conversation as I was. Um, Excellence, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been a joy to have you, my man. <laughs> Thank you. It honestly is good. I didn't recognize I had much to say until you invited me here and I was able to <laughs> talk about some things that God had put in me too. So, um, there you yeah, go. I it just comes it. pouring out of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, So for those of you who are listening, uh, keep tuning in next week for more on our series of uh, The Struggle is Real. Uh, We're going to tackle the struggle with failure uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, 
Also, if you happen to be listening to this on Thursday morning, remember that tonight we're having uh, a panel event called In Their Own Words, Faith, Race, and Allyship in the Focus Community, uh, where we're inviting three members of the Focus Community to kind of share their experiences um, being in Focus and ways that that has gone well, ways that it's actually been kind of hard as a person of color. Um, And we really hope that that event really opens our eyes to some of the ways that we can love our neighbors better, uh, exactly what you were talking about, excellence. So please uh, look at the infocus.org website. Uh, All of our social media profiles are talking about it right now. Um, We hope that you guys sign up and attend. We would love to have you. Uh, And if you missed out, if you're hearing this after Thursday and you forgot to come in, email one of your leaders and maybe we'll be able to uh, shoot you a recording or something like that. It's definitely a conversation that's worth tuning in for and worth engaging with your own friends about. So uh, thanks again, Excellence, for being here. Uh, We hope that you guys have a great weekend and we'll see you again next week for more of the Focus Richmond and Central Virginia devotional podcast. Bye.